0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.17 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 4th of February, 2022. This is episode 539 of Bitcoin and Jobs report came in. Isn't that interesting? Yes, that's right. The Council of Economic Advisors Twitter page has this one. Today's jobs report shows that the economy added 467,000 jobs in January for an average monthly gain of 5,401,000 over the past three months. The number of jobs added in January came in well above Market expectations. Hmm. So what does our favorite economist, Paul Krugman, the guy who called the Internet a fax machine, say about this? He says, and I quote, After the Trump years, these intelligent, non-bombastic takes from the White House economist still come as a shock each time. Well, Paul, that's just train hit worthy. I hadn't done a train wrecked in a while, so there you go. Um, Yeah, I call complete bullshit. Even Zero Hedge had a graph earlier this morning that basically, it illustrated that out of 78 economists that are, generally speaking, the pool of economists that are asked what they think the jobs report is going to be, none of them none of them came close to having these numbers in fact as of yesterday i was seeing numbers that the jobs uh, report was going to be go was going to come in 250,000 jobs less than what they than than what was expected as of yesterday and now we have that almost a half million jobs were added in in january and that over a half million were added in the last three months because those three last three months were revised. Do you buy that? Do you think that that's true? I don't. I think we're being lied to. And here we have Paul Krugman, the cheerleader of whatever he's the cheerleader of at this point, saying that this is an intelligent, non-bombastic take. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the kinds of people that are in charge. It's just it's it's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. So now what's going to happen is that most likely the Fed is indeed going to hike interest rates. I believe it's going to send the not only the United States but a good portion of the world into a straight up recession. And I had said on a couple of, you know, on an earlier Earlier podcast that uh, I think that what will happen after that is that Jay Powell will uh, reduce the interest rates back down to their <laughs> previous levels and he will look like a fucking hero. It's just at this we live in a clown world par excellence, ladies and gentlemen, but we don't have time to dwell on this. We need to get into this one. Maryland man drugs his father to access $400,000 in Bitcoin. Uh well-known uh, Scott Chipolina is writing this for Decrypt. I was about to say something disparaging, but it's Friday. Let's give him a break. <clears throat> a Maryland resident spiked his father's tea with drugs in order to access his cryptocurrency account, which held $400,000 worth of Bitcoin. Per the Washington Post, Liam Gershoni of Bethesda, Maryland slipped benzodiazepine, a type of depressant, into his father's tea with the explicit intent to knock him unconscious. After his father passed out, Gershoni used his father's phone to move $400,000 of Bitcoin to an account that he could control. He later converted approximately 60% of these funds to Ethereum. Quote, it didn't have to be like this. I'm going to give you the best retirement, Gershoni wrote in a note he left behind for his father. Oh my God. His father, however, did not immediately wake up. After two days, a friend called the police who later found him unresponsive in the bathroom. He took four days to recover from dehydration and acute organ dysfunction. Let's pause there for acute organ dysfunction. What that is, is he was on the verge of what's known as a cascade organ failure event, which is basically sudden death. The dehydration probably affected his kidneys, and he was going into renal failure. And I've talked about renal failure before. That is, that is one of the primary events that will cause a cascade organ failure. Anyway, let's carry on. Quote, I did a lot of crazy and messed up stuff when I was using. I will carry that with me, the guilt and the shame. And I want... To take that on as I throw myself into recovery, Gershoni reportedly said in an interview. Gershoni's father, whose name has not been published, uh, recalled being told by his son that he was too emotional and too attached to his crypto holdings. He also said that his son's use of drugs, which included benzodiazepines as well as cocaine, led him to blacking out on a daily basis. Quote, I thought I was going to lose him, he told the Washington Post. He also recalled his son telling him that he needed to sell his crypto. Gershoni became concerned about his father not responding to phone calls in the days after he was drugged and let his father's ex-girlfriend know of his worries. She in turn phoned the police. Prosecutors in the case reportedly found no evidence Gershoni was trying to kill his father. Quote, However, there was an intent to inflict serious bodily injury by the drugging, by the causing him to be unconscious. But for the grace of God, Mr. Gershoni is still with us," said Assistant State's Attorney Donna Fenton in court. Gershoni now lives in a group house with other individuals recovering from addiction. His father believes he is turning a corner. Quote, if someone wants to meet him and they're from the past, he tells them they have to meet him at a meeting, he reportedly said. Gershoni's mother, a public health professional, also reportedly sees a difference in her son. Quote, I hear him being serious about treatment in a way that he's never been. He's back to being the kinder version of himself, she said. Quote, I definitely have said I'm sorry to my dad, but I feel like I can only say so much. I need to show him and myself. Through actions, how much I've changed. Jesus Christ, dude, you almost killed your dad over Bitcoin that was, or crypto or whatever was that was on his phone. Is this what we've come to? Is this really how desperate we've become? And yes, I know you're going well. Duh, where have you been, Dave? Yes, I know, I get it. But it's just this these ongoing examples of when it, people fucking each other over is one thing family members doing it is a different story it just is yes i know what happens i've seen it myself in my own family i've seen it several times from one from the same individual on multiple occasions over spanning 3 decades i've seen it but it still is it still comes as a shock that you would do this to your own flesh and blood it's One of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And second, guys, don't keep your, don't keep $400,000 in a phone wallet. Come on, man. God, it's just, it's awful. It's just awful. Uh, Mawson, M-A-W-S-O-N. Mawson is a leader in sustainable Bitcoin mining. Melissa Carnes is writing this one for who? USA Today. And apparently it's from the Mawson Infrastructure Group. So I guess this is the press release. Or something like it. Um, one company is not only preparing for the future of Bitcoin, but also setting the tone as an environmentally friendly off-grid mining miner searching or securing the infrastructure pipeline and partnerships to propel it forward. Mawson infrastructure group incorporated a digital asset company and infrastructure provider is poised for growth in 2022 garnering both the high-powered computers and green energy required to power bitcoin mining machines through non-traditional means that save money and the planet oh my god as one of the most sustainable bitcoin miners on the nasdaq Mawson predominantly focuses on wind nuclear and hydroelectricity But in order to meet and exceed expectations in the coming year, the company is coupling efforts to enhance its extensive existing green energy infrastructure (coughs) and foster strong relationships. Mawson's diversified operations include cryptocurrency mining and digital asset management. Headquartered in Sydney, Australia, and operating in select locations throughout that continent and in the United States, Mawson's rapidly expanding presence includes over one gigawatt of qualified power infrastructure pipelines. Mawson currently operates its flagship facility in Washington County, Georgia, and a co-location facility with Compute North LLC in Kearney, Nebraska, and recently signed a new 100-megawatt Bitcoin mining facility in Midland, Pennsylvania. Mawson is also, it or Mawson also has its first facility operational in Australia, which is a 20 megawatt Bitcoin mining facility in Byron Bay. Uh, sorry, that's Byron Bay, powered by 100% renewable biomass energy. Adding to its mining fleet, Mawson recently purchased 4,000 of the latest generation ASIC Bitcoin miners, including 2,000 MicroBT M30Ss and 2,000 Canaan Avalon. A1166s and 1246s, this is the top, on top of over 17,000 ASIC Bitcoin miners purchased in the third quarter of last year, taking Mawson's fleet to over 40,000 Bitcoin miners globally. For Mawson, the acquisition of these application-specific computers for mining Bitcoin is a big win that's expected to produce big results. Mawson recently upgraded its targets from three exahashes to 3.35 exahashes by the second quarter of this year and also brought forward its five exahash target from early 2023 to early of the first quarter of 2023, clearly illustrating their confidence in hitting these milestones. Quote, with the scale-up of our existing facility in Georgia this year well underway, combined with securing our new facility in Pennsylvania, our team has been able to focus on securing additional Bitcoin mining hardware for deployment. This reflects our infrastructure-first approach to deployment, where the Mossen team has been securing long-duration sustainable energy facility, said James Manning, CEO and founder of Mawson. The purchase of 4,000 latest-generation ASIC Bitcoin miners moves Mawson closer to its corporate target of five exahashes online by the first quarter of 2023. Quote, we look forward to updating stockholders on our U.S. and Australian facilities in greater detail, said Manning. This marks another step towards Mawson's goal of being among the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miners globally. Mawson aims to deliver stockholder returns while bridging today's traditional capital markets with the rapidly emerging digital asset industry, As one of the lowest cost producers of Bitcoin on the NASDAQ, Mawson has already experienced multi-billion dollar success. Holy shit. So we've got another one on deck. Now, uh, I saw something earlier today that suggested that the price of Bitcoin really can't go up very much more, uh, and I'm assuming past the $69,000 top that we saw a couple of months ago, until a couple of miners go out of business because at this point, it seems uh, to this uh, particular person that was saying it, that miners on in mass are just basically generally selling um, Bitcoin on the open market as they mine it and are not stocking it away. So until a few of these guys actually go out of business and those sales stop, uh, at least get curtailed a little bit, then we're going to have some price depression I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I thought I'd go ahead and let you know about it. Anyway, scam alert. Binance CEO warns users of massive SMS phishing scam. Guys, if you're a Binance customer, uh, perk your ears up. Arnold Karimi has it for Cointelegraph. Binance CEO CZ has alerted the crypto community against a massive SMS phishing scam targeting Binance customers. Tweeting on Friday, CZ alerted users of a phishing scam campaign directed at Binance users directly through SMS. The tweet says, there is a massive phishing scam via SMS with a link to cancel withdrawals. It leads to a phishing website to harvest your credentials as in the screenshot below. Never click on links from SMS. Always go to Binance.com via a bookmark or type it in. Stay safe and uh, he's got a uh, screenshot here that says a withdrawal has been requested from an unknown ip address if this was not you follow the steps here and then it gives a website don't click it don't do just don't per the screenshot scared scared shared by cz the scam involves sending users a text message with a link to cancel withdrawals leading users to fake websites designed to harvest their login creds The CEO has warned Binance users not to click on those links. Several cases of hacking and phishing have emerged so far in 2022, with some platforms suffering significant losses as a result of those attacks. As reported by Cointelegraph, the wormhole token bridge was subject to a security vulnerability on Wednesday, resulting in the loss of 120,000 wrapped Ethereum tokens, $321 million worth. From the platform and on January 17th, 33.8 million in crypto assets was stolen from crypto.com following a security breach. Users of digital currencies have also been warned of a new malware that targets browser plug-in wallets such as MetaMask and Coinbase wallet. Oh God. <clears throat> okay, so you guys know the drill. If it's SMS, do not click on the links and also an email and shit like that. If you even have a suspicion that there's something funny going on, just don't, well, actually, don't click any links from email. It's always a bad idea. Don't click any links from SMS. Just don't ever do it. Just don't, right? And if for whatever reason you're driven to do it, for God's sakes, at least take five minutes, cool down, and think about it. Think about it, think about it. Get paid in Bitcoin with Nidig's Bitcoin saving plan, Nomsios, Bitcoin Magazine, Leading U.S. companies can now offer their employees the option to get paid in Bitcoin by opting into NYDIG's newly launched product, the Bitcoin Savings Plan. The offering is an employee benefit program from which the worker can choose what percentage of their paycheck they would like to receive in Bitcoin each month at no additional cost. NYDIG said in a Tuesday statement that the Bitcoin Savings Plan is catered to companies that want to differentiate themselves by offering their employees the ability to get paid in Bitcoin. A need the institutional Bitcoin services provider discovered in a recent survey as 36% of respondents under the age of 30 said that they would be interested in allocating a portion of their pay to Bitcoin, quote, we know how hard it is for companies to attract top notch talent. A NYDIG Bitcoin savings plan is an easy to adopt benefit that can help employees stand out from the pack while providing their employees with a critical tool for protecting their financial futures, says uh, Patrick Sells, CIO of NYDIG. Former NFL superstar Drew Brees is among the first employers to leverage the new product. NYDIG said that the now-retired athlete that has the second most nfl career touchdown passes will not only offer the option to the employees of his companies but also opt into a bitcoin savings plan himself to convert a portion of his compensation to bitcoin other companies that breeze is involved with will also make the leap including Everbowl and stretch zone quote the more i have immersed myself in the understanding of money long-term value and the history of finance the importance of bitcoin becomes apparent In its 13-year history, Bitcoin has been an inclusive vehicle for wealth creation, and a Bitcoin savings plan is one of the easiest ways to start saving, Breeze said in a statement. Nydig, NYDIG said that other companies launching a Bitcoin savings plan include leading digital banking solution provider Q2, financial services companies, uh, MVB Bank and Vantage Bank, and sustainable Bitcoin miner Iris Energy. NIDIG itself will also offer the benefit to all of its own employees. Paycheck conversion into Bitcoin held by employees as part of a Bitcoin savings plan will be stored in NYDIG's custodial cold storage system. With such an arrangement, workers will be able to get exposure to the Bitcoin price, but will not be inserted into the Bitcoin ecosystem, being unable to achieve financial sovereignty. However. NYDIG told Bitcoin Magazine that the ability for employees to withdraw their Bitcoin into self-custodial wallets is on the roadmap. Yeah, don't do it until they offer that. If you're working for NYDIG or one of these guys that are using the NYDIG product, don't do it until you've you, you've demonstrated to yourself that you can, in fact, withdraw something from NYDIG's cold storage into your own uh, in, that you own your, that you hold your own keys, because it, if it's not your keys, it's not your coin. A publicly listed Bitcoin miner shares expectation for Intel's new ASIC chip. So if you've heard about it, here's uh, more about it from Sean Amick, Bitcoin Magazine quote. Tom's Hardware broke the news that Intel would present a new Bonanza Mine ASIC chip designed for ultra low voltage and energy efficient Bitcoin mining at the upcoming ISSCC conference, but Intel would neither confirm or deny if it would make the chip available to customers. All right. ASICs utilized in Bitcoin mining have been largely produced by two well known companies, MicroBT and Bitmain. The specialization and expertise required to build, maintain, and repair these machines has created a rather niche market, sometime resulting in steep price increases for the hardware needed to mine Bitcoin and secure the network. With Intel entering the Bitcoin mining space and introducing what it claims to be a revolutionary ASIC chip, this critical marketplace could be permanently transformed. Some in the space are optimistic about a U.S.-based technology company entering the fray while others are dubious to get a better handle of how intel might shake up the world of bitcoin mining we spoke with sue ennis the vice president of investor relations with hut 8 mining a toronto-based publicly listed mining firm so the question on february 23rd at the iscc conference isscc conference intel will present a new asic mining chip what was the initial response from hut 8 upon hearing the news well, we were not surprised at all, and we were anticipating this. Our CEO, Jamie Leverton, has been in the data infrastructure space for over 20 years and has a very strong relationship with companies like Intel, NVIDIA, Dell, etc. This is how we were able to get our hands on a limited fleet of GPU miners off NVIDIA that only three customers worldwide were able to ex- obtain last spring. So we're thrilled to see what these ASICs look like. We also take a balance sheet first approach to everything we do so we can be opportunistic when things like this happen. Furthermore, we take a laddered approach to how we manage our fleet. This means not being stuck with an entire fleet that is outdated technology at the start of a new technology cycle, which is what we are anticipating. We'll see how it goes this coming year with major players like Intel coming to the forefront. So we're thrilled about Intel coming to the market. Question. GRID entered into an Intel supply agreement for at least 25% of qualified Intel-designed ASICs through May of 2025, and this deal is for the second generation of ASICs to be discussed at a later date. Will Hut 8 pursue an Intel supply agreement as well? Obviously, I cannot disclose anything we have not announced yet to the public. We're certainly evaluating all options as they come down the pipeline. It's a good question about purchase agreements. We are the sole authorized repair center in Canada for MicroBT, which has been awesome in terms of getting us closer to the supply chain and allowing us to have a great relationship with a key manufacturer of ASICs. However, we do think optionality is important in this space and we do, or and so we want to make sure we can build relationships with all suppliers in the industry. Question. How does this change the greater landscape of mining when a large company like Intel pushes into the space that is largely controlled by a select few smaller companies? It's extremely disruptive. More competition is better because if a supplier can't compete on technology, they won't be able to do it on price. Question, what excites you the most about this announcement? What's the biggest concern? No concerns because again, we have fantastic relationships in the traditional technology hardware space. We're excited to see what comes next after Intel. And of course, to see this product in action. So the conclusion Intel entering the ecosystem in a public way and signaling a supply agreement this quickly demonstrates the rapid growth of the Bitcoin mining industry. We will surely see more manufacturers enter the arena and likely a decrease in cost as competition in the space grows. Lower barriers to entry will allow for more users to join the mining space, furthering the distributed nature of Bitcoin. Bitcoiners should be excited to see the continued game theoretics theoretics play out. And even more excited to see the adaptation of the entire industry. What Here's what I'm excited about, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited to see if this chip actually performs. Do, will it work at all? I'm pretty sure that it will. As to its performance, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that uh, it's actually going to work. Why? Because they entered into a purchase agreement almost immediately after announcing that they had an ASIC chip on deck somebody like Intel's not going to do that unless they are deadly sure that this thing works. And it also actually bodes well for the fact that this thing probably will be like, I don't know, hopefully a quantum leap forward in being able to provide hash rate at a much lower amount of energy used. That's that's my hope. Because I think what'll happen is that if Intel does this, then the United States becomes a major player in the manufacture of ASICs. Well, duh, yeah. So what does that mean for all the machines that are already out there? I guarantee you that those machines will start, if they are supplanted, if Intel's chip works the way that we think it's going to work, then it will supplant all of those machines. Those machines will go up for sale on the open market. And what we will see, I think, my gut feeling is we will see mobile mining take off in a way that you never thought it was going to take off. What do I mean by mobile mining? I mean a whole shitload of containers with a whole shitload of miners uh, permanently welded to like, I don't know, a, a flatbed trailer that could be hauled by a semi, dropped on site to and, and put next door to another semi that's got a, a generator, electricity you know an electrical generator welded onto it. And then both those trucks basically just sit on, I don't know, flared gas, whatever it is that they're going to go, whatever energy source that they're going to go harvest. And then the last piece of the puzzle is the conversion of whatever energy source that is into the ability for the generator to be able to fire and create electricity out of. And then that's going to go right into the, to the, uh, uh, to the ASIC mining uh, container Storage thing, whatever. I'm sorry. It's it's Friday. I, I'm I'm looking forward to the weekend. Um, <clears throat> see the the reason that mobile is like let's let's say that we did it this way. Let's say that you took those things out to an old abandoned gas well. You uncapped it with whoever is the mineral right owner and the uh, whoever was actually servicing that particular well. Get the gas flowing again, and then all of a sudden something happens. The gas, let's say that the gas, well, just, it just peters out. It, it's like maybe the, maybe down hole collapses. The casing is all fried and they just don't want to do what's called a workover, where they pull everything out and kind of like clean up the shit and then put new casing in and all, you know, all that stuff. That's a very expensive proposition. People are not going to really want to do that. So let's say you capture all the gas and then all of a sudden the, the casing just collapses. Help, no more. Well, okay. So what? You get a couple of truckers, you know, when they're not in Canada, pissing off Justin Trudeau, come down, hook up to the trailers and spin, and put them somewhere else. I think that's going to be a thing. I think that's going to be a major industry is going to be mobile mining. So watch out for it as it comes to us. Hey, let's run the numbers. Damn, if flammable liquids aren't just on fire today. West Texas Intermediate, check it, 2.65% to the upside, coming in at $92.66. I have not seen West Texas Intermediate that high in a long time. Brent North Sea, likewise, up 2.25%, $93.14. We've almost achieved West Texas Intermediate-Brent North Sea parity and that hardly ever happens. Why? Well, Brent North Sea has a lot more heavier compounds in it so you can make a lot more shit from it upon refining. West Texas intermediate is more of a lighter style. You can get like you can get a like gas and all kinds of cool stuff out of it, but the heavier stuff just isn't present in West Texas intermediate, so Because it can't produce as many products upon refinement, it comes in at a lower price, except that it's getting so close to Brent North Sea that it's like, wow, I'm waiting for the day that West Texas Intermediate actually surpasses the price of Brent North Sea. Let's see if that ever happens because we are really, really close right now. Natural gas, though, taking it on the chin... 0.8% 0.8% to the downside, $4.84 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline up 1.34% to $2.67 a gallon. Wow, that's gonna hurt. Uh, I, I can't help it. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna hurt. Gold is up a quarter of a point now, peaking above $1,800 to $1,808.50. Silver up 0.6 to 22.50. Platinum is down three-quarters of a point. Copper is down half a point, And palladium is down 0.4%. Agriculture futures are fully mixed. We have, it's pretty much kind of just sideways. Uh, coffee is the biggest loser, 1.33% to the downside. Choc- uh, chocolate is up 1.23%. So there's your biggest winner and loser. Uh, Dow is down 0.61% right now. S&P is down 026 right now. NASDAQ is up 0.4 and the S&P mini is down 0.69. Real money kind of on a tear right now, $39,623 for Bitcoin, 255,000 transactions in the last 24 hours is just under 11,000 transactions on average every hour with 716 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. That's just below 30,000 BTC every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 2.8 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.015 BTC or about 579 bucks US. Block times are low, nine minutes and 48 seconds uh, with a 1.52, oh, I skipped my thing. 0.07 0.07 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 10.3 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24-hour period. Uh, with a 1.52% drop in hash rate, we're under 200 to 198.2 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge at 14.2 United States pennies. Uh, so do, uh, altcoins getting a break. Oh, sorry, not altcoins, Shitcoins. Wow, 16,182 transactions are waiting on 17 blocks to clear. $747.8 billion of market cap is what we've got right now. Sorry, got distracted. My my son and daughter are home from school because it was one degree this morning. One, one degree. And I, I haven't heard any horror stories about the Texas utility grid collapsing in that time. So... Uh sorry, I I didn't mean to rattle your brain with that, but yeah, I got distracted, had to cut the recording, go tell my son to quiet down because if you could probably hear him in the background. Anyway, where was I? 748.6 billion dollars of market capitalization is 6.28% of gold's entire market cap. You can now get 21.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18 million. 948,672.75 of 3,411 and a half of those are stuck in the Lightning Network valued at $134.8 million being run over 19,939 nodes sporting 85,491 payment channels and 76.1% of all of it is being run over Tor, Being handled by 11,530 Tor nodes that we know about, that's going to do it for vitals. (music) Part two of the news that you can use. Over the last couple of days, you've probably heard about the IRS uh, and crypto staking, jeff benson is hopefully going to clear this up for us out of decrypt.co what the irs court case over crypto staking taxes really means should a person be taxed when they receive a staking reward in the form of cryptocurrency or when they sell it that's the question at the heart of a lawsuit being described decided in u.s federal court after a tezos user was denied a refund request from the Internal Revenue Service on taxes owed for earning staking rewards. The case has caused some confusion about the IRS's current stance regarding these kinds of rewards. In reality, however, the IRS has only partially capitulated, saying it would refund plaintiffs Joshua and Jessica Jarrett, after all, in exchange for ending the lawsuit. However, they declined the offer. They want a ruling to ensure the same thing doesn't happen to them or others in the future. Staking refers to locking up your cryptocurrency so it can be used by the network to keep it secure and validate transactions. For those who don't plan on cashing out their coins, it's a way of earning passive income. Set aside some of your coins and build a small stash in return. Current U.S. tax policy is a tad unclear on whether these rewards are taxable. In fact, it doesn't mention staking at all. But it does say that mining rewards using one's compute power and electricity to validate blockchain transactions in exchange for Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency is taxable as income for its fair market value, i.e. the going exchange rate on the day that it was earned. Uh, The guidance clearly states that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are taxed as property. But per cryptocurrency lobbying organization CoinCenter, Joshua Jarrett is arguing that the reward should be treated as newly created property like ears of corn grown in a field and therefore should not be taxed until he sells them. That's a stance the crypto advocacy groups such as CoinCenter agree with, as do the leaders of the Congressional Blockchain Caucus, to be clear. Even though the IRS has in this instance offered... To pay back the Jarretts for collected taxes, there's been no shift in the Treasury Department's crypto tax policy. The United States District Court case continues, and even a positive ruling for the couple won't automatically mean stakers get to stop paying taxes. But Coin Center and the Proof of Stake Alliance both see the IRS offer as hopeful, with the latter group calling it a sign that the IRS may no longer attempt to tax tokens created through staking moving forward. Coincenter is thinking even bigger. In its eyes, the IRS backtrack could affect both staking rewards and mining rewards, both of which are most accurately described as the creation of value through one's own capital and labor rather than the receipt of value from an employer. Says Coinjoin Center, quote, "The network users or sorry, the network allows users to create wealth from their own resources. It does not pay people for their labor." All right. So, what do you think? you think staking should be taxed? I don't. I don't think you should be doing staking at all, honestly. But if you're bent that way, you get to do it. Your life, your coins, your your shit coin, whatever it is that you want to call it. Hey, you want to go ahead and stake? You go ahead and stake. I don't think that staking should be taxed. I think it is very much like growing ears of of corn. If somebody just gives me something and it's over the five was it twenty five thousand dollars uh gift uh exemption that you get from the IRS in the United States, uh, then yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't like taxes anyway, because tax is theft, but be that as it may, we're still gonna get taxed, whether it's theft or not. Um, so the, the real question kind of becomes is is mining Bitcoin like getting Bitcoin gifted to you? And the answer is no, clearly not. It is very much more like a farming endeavor where, you know, like, and, and at what point would the IRS tax a field of corn? What, what, I mean, what if they, you know, think about it this way. What if they were to go out and look at a farmer's field and assess the tax on his field before the corn is actually dried down. Let's say that it comes to fruition and all the corn is completely grown, it's completely matured, but there's a a period of time after its general maturity that it has to dry down to something like, I don't know, I think it's like 15.5% moisture content. When the IRS guys go out and assess a field at the time of maturity, but before dry down, Then you have like 98%, you know, uh, you have 98% water in the corn or some, you know, astronomical number like that. It's mostly water at that point. Well, if you're going to do that, then you're, then you're going to actually, if you were to sell Corn at that stage, your bushels of corn per acre would increase dramatically because it's mostly water at that point. And it's not just by weight, it's by, you know, actual, like, you know, how how much room does this stuff take up? So you would get taxed in a way that was disproportionate to what you're going to be able to sell the corn for after dry down. Or worse, let's say this let's say they come out two weeks before full maturity, project that at maturity your corn is going to be worth so much and this is way before dry down this is like before maturity and then you get hit with a grasshopper attack and all like let's say that you just like i don't know it's the hand of god and and the locust swarm happens and it just completely destroys your crop yet you still have to get taxed on it no that's bullshit. we don't do it to farmers why would we do it to miners it doesn't make any sense so um the other thing about this story is the IRS's offer to give the money back yeah i can see why they're going to go ahead and and go all the way through court because what happens when they do it again are they going to have to i mean let's say this couple mines you know more whatever shitcoin they're mining or staking um and all of a sudden they have to report it on their next year taxes and then they get hit again nobody wants to have to go through this all the time they, the IRS is going to need to actually have a rule at one point or another that people can follow i don't like rules either but they do make playing the game a little bit easier do you have to report it or do you have to do you have to report it on day you know x or day x plus you know 6 months It would be easier if you were a if you're gonna get rid of the coin and sell it into fiat, that's when you should get taxed. The the farmer should get taxed on how much money he makes after delivery of the corn to the grain silo. That's how they do it in real life. And it should be the same with miners. So let's move on. Kraken. Their customers can now verify Bitcoin reserves, says, who says it? Oh, Namcio says it from Bitcoin Magazine. Crypt, uh, Kraken customers can now independently verify that the Bitcoin funds they hold on the cryptocurrency exchange are backed by actual assets after the firm launched its proof of reserves feature, enabling a new level of transparency and accountability to emerge in the industry. The feature is the product of an independent cryptographic audit of Kraken's funds performed by accounting firm Armenino LLP, which verifies the amount of Bitcoin the exchange holds on behalf of its clients with the help of Merkle Trees, quote, Indeed, in this audit completed on December the 31st, our auditor determined and controlled all of the Bitcoin belonging to clients on our exchange, as well as all of the Bitcoin held in our industry leading on-chain and off-chain staking services, the company said in a Thursday statement. Users interested in verifying that Kraken holds the amount of Bitcoin that the company claims to hold on their behalf can do so by accessing the independent proof of reserves website by uh, Armanino. Yeah, Armanino. But first, they should head over to Kraken's website to gather the necessary information, a unique identification number for their account for accessing those records. Quote, An advanced cryptographic accounting procedure conducted semi-annually by trusted auditors, proof of reserves, lets you verify that Kraken is meeting rigorous standards for accountability and exceeding the transparency offered by legacy financial firms per Kraken's website. Well, that's not hard to do, Kraken. (laughs) There is no such thing as transparency in any legacy financial market. Sorry, there just isn't. Proof of reserves enables greater transparency by providing customers with the ability to check if the custodian of their Bitcoin is truthful. The feature isn't completely trustless, however, as, strictly speaking, the user still needs to trust the third-party company that performed the audit. But the initiative is still positive, as it prevents the cryptocurrency exchange from embarking on fractional reserves, and it is also a better deal than what is offered by traditional banks, who not only do fractional reserves, but involve full trust. Yeah, no. I actually kind of thought that Kraken had already been doing this, though. I thought they had a product or or something on their website that had the ability for uh, individuals holding Bitcoin on their exchange to be able to check to see if they actually had it. I don't know. Maybe I was just dreaming, but be that as it may. Uh, <clears throat> Ecuador in the news, I think, because this is out of CoinGate, and I just don't know what to think about CoinGate at this point. But Ashish Kumar is writing it for CoinGate. Ecuador plans to regulate BTC and other cryptos. The Central Bank of Ecuador is planning to come up with a framework to regulate cryptocurrencies by the end of this year. Guillermo Avalon, the manager of the Central Bank of Ecuador, reportedly said that this will give more clarity to the cryptocurrency investors and also help to prevent crimes related, of course, to money laundering. The Central Bank of Ecuador is all set to prepare and implement cryptocurrency-specific regulations in the country. Talking with Bloomberg, Guillermo Avalon, manager of the central bank said that they are planning to expand the financial inclusion of Ecuadorians and regulate the use of cryptocurrencies in the country. He further explained that the new regulation would not make BTC or any other cryptocurrency a legal tender as what happened in El Salvador. Instead, the regulation would bring more clarity to the status of crypto in the country In the first quarter of 2022, the central bank will formulate a regulation on the use of cryptocurrencies in Ecuador so that holders can know what the limits are, despite the fact that the dollar is the only legal tender in the country. He did not give specific dates regarding crypto regulations. However, he suggested that they will be done with it by the end of the third quarter in 2022. The cryptocurrency ecosystem has witnessed a huge spike in adoption all around the globe, El Salvador, yes, we know. They made it legal tender in November. Okay, countries like the U.S. and Canada have legally permitted uh, trading in virtual currencies, while others like China and Russia have prohibited it by law. Recently, though, India recognized Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies during the budget session and announced a flat 30% tax on income income generated from it. So another uh, Latin American country is on deck Will they make it legal tender? I hope not. not. And it's—I know if you—if you're raising your eyebrows at what I just said, you're—you're—you're you're, you're well within your rights to do so. I hope they don't make it legal tender, because legal tender is a force maneuver by a country to make somebody use something, whether it's money or their services or things like that. I want another Latin American company, country to adopt Bitcoin as a tender that they can use will not be criminalized and they don't have to worry about going to jail if they use it. However, I will say this is I will caveat this. Any country in any country that adopts Bitcoin as an acceptable manner of payment, let's say. Let's not say even like, you know, legal tender or anything like that and accept if they accept Bitcoin as an acceptable method of payment, then the only thing that should be forced upon that country is that the government themselves be forced to take Bitcoin for taxes and any other goods and services that the government provides. And that would probably go, I would probably end that at the federal level. If you have a if you have a government like the government of Mexico, let's say, they have a federal government, they have state governments, and of course, they have local governments. They should stop at the state. Now, I don't know anything about Mexico's constitution as to whether or not their states have any latitude outside of federal purview like we do in the United States in the 10th Amendment, but let's say that they do. Let's say that the federal government of Mexico says, you know what? In Mexico... You can use it and we're going to take it in lieu for payment and taxes and any of the other federal services that we provide. The states and the local governments will get to make their own say so as to whether or not they accept Bitcoin for their services, but they have to allow their citizenry to be able to transact in Bitcoin if they so choose, but we are not going to force them. I think that that's the best way to get Bitcoin into these countries where it's basically saying, if you use it, you're never going to be in trouble. It's federal law. That's I think that's the best way to go. Now, uh, Aussie competition watchdog investigating meta over crypto scam ads. Kira Wright writing for Cointelegraph. Australia's consumer and competition watchdog is investigating Facebook's parent company Meta for a long-running series of fraudulent cryptocurrency advertisements on the platform. The news comes just a day after Cointelegraph reported that billionaire businessman Andrew Twiggy Forrest, Twiggy is his apparent nickname, was pursuing criminal action against the social media giant for allegedly serving users crypto scam ads and fake articles which used his name and likeness. Numerous other high-profile celebrities from Hugh Jackman to Nicole Kidman have been fraudulently employed to draw users into investment scams. The ACCC alleges that Meta allowed the crypto scammers to breach Australian consumer law, defrauding victims of hundreds of thousands of dollars. In a February 3rd comment to the Australian ACCC Chair Rod Sims said that although their investigation shares similarities with Forrest's case, the ACCC's investigation is separate and concerns different questions of law. While Forrest's case concerns potential breaches of Australia's Commonwealth Criminal Code, the ACCC will be examining whether Meta has raised concerns under the Australian Consumer Law. Quote, Like Dr. Forrest, we consider that Meta should be doing more to detect, prevent, and remove false or misleading advertisements from Facebook platform so that consumers are not misled and scammers are prevented from reaching potential victims. Yeah, well, when they finally get finished uh, removing all truth about vaccinations and vaccines and this entire beer virus thing, then maybe, yeah, maybe they'll have time to actually get to it, but not anytime soon. Forrest claims that by failing to take sufficient steps to eliminate the scam from being shared on its platform, Meta is not only in breach of Australia's money laundering laws, but also behaved in a criminally reckless manner. Man, (laughs) he will initially bring his case to the West Australian Magistrates Court on March the 28th with a committal hearing expected later in the year. He also launched a simultaneous civil proceeding with the Superior Court of California last September, seeking injunctive relief. The case is still pending with the date of the civil case yet to be set. In 2020, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, ASIC, issued a warning on fake celebrity-endorsed crypto ads, including Jackman, Kidman, and even Waleed Ali, Other celebrities, including Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Richard Branson have also had their images stolen to front crypto scams. Australian Facebook users have reported losing hundreds of thousands to the scam, including one alleged victim who told the Australian that they thought the scam was legitimate because it featured Forrest. Quote, Andrew Forrest is an icon for millions of Australians and you hold him in high regard. Anything involving him... You'd think it's legitimate because it's coming out in public through Facebook, they said. In 2019, Forrest was among several Australian celebrities, including Kate Winslet, who were falsely quoted as giving testimony for a fraudulent cryptocurrency. One version of the scam quoted the celebs in fake mainstream news articles advertising a fake Bitcoin investment platform. As reported by Cointelegraph, in August of 2021, investment scams cost Australian investors more than $50.5 million in the first six months of 2021, with crypto scams contributing to more than 50% of those losses. Holy shit. So now the Australian people getting, uh, getting a little up in arms about the amount of crypto scams on Facebook, which are plentiful, plentiful. I mean, my God almighty. I mean... It's really bad. It's really bad. So now finally rounding us out the Overton window in Bitcoin by Don, Bitcoin magazine. As Bitcoin moves into its adolescence, many people from all walks of life from all across the world may be pondering the question, is Bitcoin mainstream? Is it in the process of becoming mainstream or is it something that may never become mainstream? The answer to this question will likely have profound effects on how governments around the world behave towards Bitcoin in its teenage years. The reason that public perception plays a large role in how governments behave toward a certain topic is related to a concept called the Overton window. So, what is the Overton window? Quote, The Overton Window is a range of policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time. It is also known as the Window of Discourse. The term is named after American policy analyst Joseph P. Overton, who stated that an idea's political viability depends mainly on whether it falls within this range, rather than on the politician's individual preferences. According to Overton, The window frames the range of policies that a politician can recommend without appearing too extreme to gain or keep public office given the climate of public opinion at that time. So that's a really good explanation of what the Overton window is. Continuing, at the core of the Overton window is public perception. Contrary to what many people think, politicians, at least politicians that want to stay in office, cannot enact any policy they please. Instead, they have to choose from a range of policies that are politically acceptable at the time. The Overton Window defines that range of ideas. Examples of movements that have shifted from fringe, outside of the Overton Window, to mainstream including or includes women's suffrage, racial equality, and recreational marijuana use. Once these movements became mainstream, government policies began to align in support of those movements. Now that we have a fundamental understanding of the Overton window, let's examine how it relates to Bitcoin. Bitcoin turned 13 on January 3rd, 2022. During its first 13 years, it has gone from a network primarily used by crypto, cryptography enthusiasts, extreme privacy advocates, hardcore libertarians, and Austrian economic enthusiasts, To something used by everyday individuals all around the world, companies, small and large, and even nation states, such as El Salvador. With the understanding that the Overton window dictates the range of policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time, we can then ask ourselves, has the Overton window for Bitcoin shifted far enough towards the mainstream to warrant support from governments? To answer that question, let's examine the United States government's actions related to Bitcoin to date and then extrapolate what those actions may mean moving forward. Contrary to what many Bitcoin skeptics may say, in examining the United States government actions surrounding Bitcoin to date, one would be hard-pressed to find anything overly burdensome. In 2014, the IRS classified Bitcoin as property. The United States has some of the strongest property rights of any country in the world. Bitcoin being classified as property affords it the same legal protections as other type of personal property, such as real estate, and is an important reason that some of the largest Bitcoin holders choose to own their Bitcoin in the United States. In 2017, the CME group, working in conjunction with the CFTC, launched a Bitcoin futures market, which was an important step for any commodity. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission has repeatedly reiterated that Bitcoin is not a security and thus not within their field of regulation. Other cryptocurrencies, on the other hand, may be in for a rude awakening when it comes to SEC enforcement. In 2020, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency gave federally chartered banks the green light to custody Bitcoin. In 2021, the first Bitcoin exchange-traded fund in the United States was approved. Yes, the ETF is based on Bitcoin futures and does not hold physical Bitcoin, but the fact that a Bitcoin ETF product was approved at all is just another feather in the cap of Bitcoin when it comes to favorable regulation in America. So when we review the totality of government action related to Bitcoin in the United States, we can see that the United States government has been supportive of Bitcoin overall to date. Now let's turn our attention to what this may mean moving forward for Bitcoin as it relates to the Overton window. With millions of people owning Bitcoin, corporations of all sizes owning Bitcoin and even nation states owning Bitcoin, it's clear that Bitcoin has or is in the process of passing through the Overton window in many parts of the world. That being the case, the time is ripe for politicians and governments to lean into the Bitcoin movement and use it to their advantage. Yeah, yeah, we see that they are. Continuing. We're starting to see the first inklings of this play out. In the United States, politicians such as Cynthia Lummis, Ted Cruz, Arika Rhodes, Tom Emmer, and others are leaning into pro-Bitcoin politics, and in doing so, they're tapping into a large base of voters who care about the issue of Bitcoin more than they do than in, of any other issue. This large single-issue voting block is powerful for any politician to tap into, as they tend to be very vocal and, in a world of 24-7 social media influence, being vocal is important. Dennis Porter wrote a great article, Why Bitcoin Represents the Ultimate Single-Issue Voter Block. I highly suggest you read it. Another great example of politicians and governments leaning into Bitcoin is President Nayib Bukele and El Salvador. Bukele and El Salvador burst onto the international scene in 2020 when they announced a law that would make Bitcoin legal tender. Instead of continuing to be beholden to agencies such as the International Monetary Fund and World Bank for funding, El Salvador, instead chose to plug into the Bitcoin network. Bukele became internationally recognized almost overnight, and the country of El Salvador went from being a small country, mostly forgotten by the West, to being on the international stage. You can bet that other countries are considering similar actions. Let me pause right there just to say the following. There is no such thing as bad publicity, and El Salvador, up until this date, had no publicity. None at all. Nobody gave a shit about it. The only thing that you heard about El Salvador is MS-13 gangs from fucking Southern LA wreaking havoc across the goddamn Southern portion of the state. Be that as it may, now everybody knows about El Salvador. Everybody in the world is looking at El Salvador. You cannot buy that kind of publicity. You just can't do it. Continuing on. China has banned Bitcoin more times than I can count, which makes sense when you think about it. A communist country run by a dictator doesn't want its people having access to a global distributed censorship resistant sovereign monetary system. Shocking. However, in 2021, China took its disdain for Bitcoin to a whole new level. They were serious this time. They cracked down on miners resulting in 50% of the Bitcoin hash rate being relocated to friendlier jurisdictions. They crack down on exchanges, forcing accounts serving Chinese citizens to be closed. They generally put enough fear into enough people to dissuade many of them from interacting with Bitcoin at all. China put on a classic display of attempting to keep a movement from shifting into the Overton window. In my opinion, history will not be kind for this grave mistake. Conclusion, the Overton window is an important concept to understand Simply put, the Overton window dictates a range of policies that are acceptable to mainstream populations for a given topic at a given time. As Bitcoin embarks on its teenage years, the adoption continues to grow. It is clear that the Overton window for Bitcoin has shifted or is at least in the process of shifting. Politicians and governments around the world will be well-served to lean into the Bitcoin movement, use it to their advantage to attract single-issue voters, and to strengthen their position on the global stage. If the United States and El Salvador, oh, sorry, in the United States and El Salvador, we are seeing this process play out. In other countries, such as China, we see attempts to thwart Bitcoin, before it can pass through the Overton window. And in my opinion, these countries will look back and realize that trying to stop the inevitable was a grave mistake. Yeah, well, China has a, has a probably like a 5,000-year history of fucking up when they're just on, the, on, just on the cusp, just on the cusp of becoming the preeminent world order. They did it when they burned merchant maps for like merchants that were sailing, you know, and and they knew where places were and they could take silk and they could take spices and they could take whatever. They could take it from China and go to other places that they found on the sea. And they had these detailed maps of where these places were. And they were passed down to all of the naval guys that knew how to build a boat, put a sail on it and Fill it full of shit and sell it to other people in other places. And then the government at the time, or the emperor or whatever, whatever you want to call it at that form of government, at the the empireship, the empire, whatever, they confiscated the maps from the merchants and burned them. Why? Because they didn't want the merchant class to get richer than the ruling class. And that was happening the merchant class was getting so much damn money that they were literally on the cusp of threatening rule of the empire. Not that they were actually physically threatening the emperor. I don't think that they were doing that, but the, their wealth caught the emperor's eye and caught the eye of the empire in toto. And when that happened, they confiscated these very detailed navigational maps and they burned them. They didn't even, I mean, you're gonna do something like that. Don't burn it, save it, put it in a safe, make sure that the merchants can't get to it or something like that. But for God's sakes, don't destroy the information. What does this sound like? When China banned mining, they allowed the mining machines to walk across their borders and out of their control. They burned them. For lack of of a better phrase, They burned the maps to mining. They let all those miners go. They let all the miners take their mining equipment with them. The physical, actual machines themselves walked away from China. It's the exact same effect as burning the navigational maps. When China burned the maps, they were no longer as present on the world stage as they had been when the Chinese merchants were sailing to all places, all these different places and all these different countries from different empires, and they were getting to know these people. Yeah, all that was lost and they lost again. This is going. This is probably gonna go down as yet one more historical mistake for China that kept them from reaching the goal of ruling the world. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Okay, it's Friday, so you guys have an enjoyable weekend out there. Um, who knows what will happen to the price of Bitcoin? It's swinging up, it's swinging down, it's swinging up, it's swinging down. We've got the uh, jobs report out that is clearly a pile, a burning pile of manure, and it's just probably not something to be listened to. Um, it's going to be interesting no matter how we slice it, but it is Friday and it is time for a Dad Says Jokes. Just started my job as an executioner. I'll be heading there soon. Get it? Beheading? I'll be heading there soon. Okay. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, If you want to support the show, please do so on uh, Podcasting 2.0 apps such as Sphinx Chat app. Fountain app and Breeze wallet itself is actually a reversal of all this. Breeze wallet started out as a wallet and then put a podcasting app inside of it. Whereas a lot of these other things are starting out as podcasting apps or something else and then putting a wallet inside of it. It's it's interesting, but it's that's the way it's going. And what does it allow you to do? It allows you to stream Satoshis to my lightning node directly in real time as you listen to these podcasts. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, First of all, I wish you would get comfortable doing that because this is going to be the way, uh, value for value transactions are going to be the way of content creation and consumption and compensation over the next five and 10 years. And after 10 years, there will be no such thing as a subscription service. They will not exist. Your licenses for uh, using a, uh, like for playing a video game or using a piece of software, There will be no such thing as buying that software. You will, well, sadly, you're going to rent it, but you're not going to rent it via your credit card with getting dinged on a monthly basis. You're going to be in control of how much you pay for that subscription, quote unquote subscription, by how much you use that particular service and or product. So if you're only using it 15 minutes a month, that's what you're going to be paying for. And how are you going to do it? You're going to be paying it on lightning rails or possibly third and fourth you know, for third and fourth layer effects on top of the Bitcoin main chain. Right now we're using lightning, which is layer two. You will only pay for what you use. If you start a movie and start watching it and decide 30 minutes in that it sucks and you don't want to have anything more to do with it, then when you hit stop and go watch something else, your streaming of satoshis as a as a unit of value to watch that movie also ends. You do not pay the full five bucks to rent the movie. You pay a third of that in satoshis. So, um, but if if you aren't comfortable, and I get it, I understand, then you can do so, uh, or you can uh, support me over at Patreon where you can use the legacy finance system and fiat uh, to support this show if you think that what I'm giving you is of any kind of value whatsoever. And that is the Bitcoin and podcast. Actually, it's Patreon forward slash Bitcoin and podcast, not the, it's just Bitcoin and podcast. You type that into the search function in Patreon, you'll find me. And I do appreciate all of the people that have signed up already some are signed up for five bucks, some are signed up for a buck. I really want to keep all this stuff free, but it's kind of hard to, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to do without any kind of support, but I will continue on doing it if, if that's if that's your will. So, it, I mean, if you don't find value in it, there's no reason to pay for it is my whole damn point. So, with all that said, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and...